Good morning, people. Slice Life here. Just wanted to talk really quick before I went into the gym. Funny. The other day, uh, my wife and I and the kids went to go eat in Applebee's in, uh, uh, I'll say the town, actually, in Hackensack, New Jersey. <laughs> uh, funny thing is, and this is a fairly new Applebee's. You you know what you're going to get into when you go to Applebee's. You know, it's a wings, burger kind of joint. It's nothing fancy, nothing like that. <clears throat> so anyway, went in. That's exactly what I wanted was a burger. You know, the kids wanted little cheeseburgers. My wife wanted um, the sampler. She likes the sampler there. But anyway, we went in. We sat down. They sat us in a booth next to the bar. But the angle that we were sitting at, I could see inside of the bar. And me being uh from the industry of restaurant in the past and all the years that i've done it for which was 15 if no one knows uh funny thing is i can't ever stop looking at what they're doing wrong i don't know it's a bad habit of mine and uh i just saw like open juices in the ice bin, dirty rack in the ice. They didn't have any rubber mats and actually the bar back that was bartending because the bartender was sitting at the bar eating wings, licking her fingers, not washing her hands or drying them or anything like that. We just keep going in and out of the bar, touching shit with her hands. And then the bar back was doing her drinks. Of which, I know that dude didn't know how to make a margarita because I watched him. And he grabbed a bottle of vodka and he dropped it. And when it dropped, it broke everywhere. And I know it went a lot further. Could have been, some ice could have fell in that, uh, some, some glass could have fell in that ice bin because some of that ice rolled out to where I was sitting. And the ice bin was right there. And the reason for that is because they didn't have any rubber mats. And also, they weren't wearing non-stick shoes. You know, chucks don't do that. Uh, but that's how, that's how much into detail I pay attention. And then on top of that, when my food came out, it wasn't even fully cooked. So, just from the get-go, I had a bad experience because I was watching everyone else not give a shit. So I already, I already labeled the restaurant as not giving a shit. And pretty much when my food came out, I didn't really get that upset because I knew what I was getting into already. If the front of the house didn't give a shit, what makes you think the back of the house gives a shit when they're not being watched? And then the manager comes over to the bar, stands right next to the bartender as she's licking her fingers, eating her wings, and just goes about his business. I'm just like very, very amazed how shit like this can slide in New Jersey, you know, because in New York, not for nothing, man, call it what you want with the rats outside or anything like that, people don't pull shit like that in New York, and all the restaurants that I bartended, and they even managed, they never pull shit like that just because of the fact that inspectors are always coming in and out randomly checking on your shit, you know, in New Jersey, you get away with murder. You get away with murder and just do whatever the fuck you want because no one really walks in there. And if they do, you know fucking Bill, the inspection guy, and you gave him a free cheeseburger so his fat ass can shut up. And that's pretty much how it went. 
in New York, doesn't matter who you know, what you give them, they're going to throw you under the bus. And it's gross, man. It's really gross. That's how people get sick. So if anyone goes to uh, Applebee's and Hackensack, I really, really think you should watch what you're doing, watch what you're eating. I wouldn't even consider going over there, to be honest with you. It's just fucking gross. But I'm out. Stice Life. Good morning, people. Stice Life here. Just wanted to talk really quick before I went into the gym. Funny. The other day, uh, my wife and I and the kids went to go eat in Applebee's. In, uh, uh, I'll say the town, actually. In Hackensack, New Jersey. <laughs> uh, funny thing is, and this is a fairly new Applebee's. You, you know what you're going to get into when you go to Applebee's. You know, it's a wings, burger kind of joint. It's nothing fancy, nothing like that. <clears throat> so anyway, went in. That's exactly what I wanted was a burger. You know, the kids wanted little cheeseburgers. My wife wanted um, the sampler. She likes the sampler there. But anyway, we went in. We sat down. They sat us in a booth next to the bar. But... The angle that we were sitting at, I could see inside of the bar. And me, being uh, from the industry of restaurant in the past and all the years that I've done it for, which was 15, if no one knows, uh, funny thing is, I can't ever stop looking at what they're doing wrong. I don't know. It's a bad habit of mine. And uh, I just saw, like open juices in the ice bin, dirty rack in the ice. They didn't have any rubber mats. And actually, the bar back that was bartending because the bartender was sitting at the bar eating wings, licking her fingers, not washing her hands or drying them or anything like that. We just keep going in and out of the bar, touching shit with her hands. And then the bar back was doing her drinks. Of which, I know that dude didn't know how to make a margarita because I watched him. And he grabbed a bottle of vodka and he dropped it. And when it dropped, it broke everywhere. And I know it went a lot further. Could have been, some ice could have fell in that, uh, some, some glass could have fell in that ice bin because some of that ice rolled out to where I was sitting. And the ice bin was right there. And the reason for that is because they didn't have any rubber mats. And also, they weren't wearing non-stick <laughs> shoes. You know, chucks don't do that. Uh, but that's how, that's how much into detail I pay attention. And then on top of that, when my food came out, it wasn't even fully cooked. So, just from the get-go, I had a bad experience because I was watching everyone else not give a shit. So I already, I already labeled the restaurant as not giving a shit. And pretty much when my food came out, I didn't really get that upset because I knew what I was getting into already. If the front of the house didn't give a shit, what makes you think the back of the house gives a shit when they're not being watched? And then the manager comes over to the bar, stands right next to the bartender as she's licking her fingers, eating her wings, and just goes about his business. I'm just like very, very amazed how shit like this can slide in New Jersey, you know, because in New York, not for nothing, man, call it what you want with the rats outside or anything like that, people don't pull shit like that in New York, 
in all the restaurants that I bartended and I even managed, they never pull shit like that just because of the fact that inspectors are always coming in and out randomly checking on your shit, you know? In New Jersey, you get away with murder. You get away with murder and just do whatever the fuck you want because no one really walks in there. And if they do, you know fucking Bill, the inspection guy, and you gave him a free cheeseburger so his fat ass can shut up. And that's pretty much how it went. In New York, it doesn't matter who you know, what you give them, they're going to throw you under the bus. And it's gross, man. It's really gross. That's how people get sick. So if anyone goes to uh, Applebee's and Hackensack, I really, really think you should watch what you're doing, watch what you're eating. I wouldn't even consider going over there, to be honest with you. It's just fucking gross. But I'm out. Stice Life. Hello, Stice Life here. Wanted to talk about something funny that happened to me yesterday. I was at the dollar store. Um, <clears throat> and as I'm there, I'm waiting online, and the lady behind me is talking really loud about how she's a bartender and she's going to quit her job because she's not making enough money. She's saying $200, $100 a night is horrible and that she just can't do that crap anymore and it's not enough money that she should be making 400 to 600 a night as a bartender and I, I turned around and I looked at her and I smirked and kind of laughed inside because you know what that's a rookie thought I've bartended for about 15 years well bartended managed and you know did my own little consultant but the experience is 15 years and I don't care what anyone says 200 100 dollars for a six-hour shift, max eight, is really good. It's actually very good for a bartender, of which you're just pouring drinks, and yes, you got to set up the bar and break it down and whatever. Yes, that could be uh, a bad night in really good, busy places, but that's still good. You know, I think, I think a lot of rookie bartenders or a lot of people that have been you know, exhausted with the bartending scene, forget that that's actually good money. You're not making that anywhere else doing a regular job, restaurant job. If you look at a service point, that's an average. You know, that's really, really good. Now, if you hit 400 to 600, I'm sorry. There is no way that that chick was going to be hitting 400 to 600, not in Jersey. And if she, was, if she was in New York, she would have to be at a really nice place or stuff like that. And I'm not saying that she couldn't, but with the way she carried herself and her attitude, I did not see it. I looked at someone that just got out of bartending school, was promised the world, and thought $200 was a bad night. And she's a moron for it. And, I, and that's why I say... You shouldn't look at it like that. You should look at it as a, that's great. And when you do have that $400 night, that should be awesome. And, you know, keep you hungry, you know. Don't look at a $200 or $100 night as it being bad. Look at it as, 
what can I do to increase what I make? If that's what you're, if that's what the place does, then start coming up with ideas to make more money. That's something that I did later on as a bartender. I had to learn, but that's why I'm giving the tip to you. If you see that your place is only a place that's making a hundred average, two hundred, you know, on an average, a really good night's two fifty. What's missing there? to increase the value of what you need to be making. Ask your regulars, ask your customers, look around, put yourself in that customer's position. Go in there on your day off and look at it from a different perspective and start seeing what can increase the value of it for the bartender. Do you need a hickory, a hickory piece of wood so that you can start smoking cocktails? Do you need, um, some more options on fruit. These are things that you can buy on your own and bring when you bartend and increase the value of your cocktails and make you stand out more so than any other person. Take on that slow night that no one wants, that Monday early afternoon that no one wants because you only make $100 on that shift and your manager doesn't really give a shit for you to bring your own fruit or your own tools or all that because there's so much time. Do that, and you'll see that you're going to actually walk out with $300 and start realizing that people now want that shift. But it's not because, not because of what you, you know, like, uh, it's not because of the people that are coming in or it's how many people are coming in that you made that money. It's because of the value that you brought to the job that separates yourself from everyone else. Think about it and you'll make more money. Stice life. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast. How's everyone doing today? Good morning. Stice life here. I'm now going to be addressing all questions and anything that you want as far as like advice, uh, some fitness tips, even bartending. I will do that through my podcast and I will post it daily on my bio so that you can uh, be up to date. And I mean, you, the great thing about this podcast is you can always go into the library and if, let's say, you missed one or yesterday's, you could always... Go back and listen. Um, today I'm going to be talking about a question that I've been getting asked recently. Um, abdominals, abs. A lot of people want to know good workouts. They want to know how they come out. They want to know um, how to make your midsection look smaller. So let's start by workouts workouts for your abs and I um I can't stress this enough you will never see your abdominals unless you haven't lowered your body fat percentage to at least a 10% body fat at least if you're anything over that yeah you might they might kind of pop out and say hi if you flex that's on a good day that you haven't drank that much water 
and you probably didn't eat. Um, but if you really want to see your abdominals pop and come out, you got to be under 10%. Start at 10%. And that's the only way. I don't care how many crunches you do, how many workouts you do, how much weight you can lift on a sit-up. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. If you haven't gotten rid of the fat that's on top of that muscle, you will never see them. You can be strong as hell, but you will never see those abs. Because abs don't give a shit that you want to eat pizza and burgers and make all the wrong decisions. Guess what? They're not coming out. So, first things first. Lower that body fat percentage and then you will start to see crazy shit happen. Second, everyone wants a smaller midsection. Why would you use weight for your abdominals? Your abdominals are muscles just like any other muscle in your body. If you start pushing heavy weight on your abs, you're going to have big, bulky abdominal muscles. Some of you might like that, so go for it. But for the most part, even bodybuilders, we want smaller midsections to create that, that crazy physique of a superhero lookalike. So use your own body weight. There's nothing wrong with leg lifts. There's nothing wrong with sit-ups, crunches, all of that. Um, planks, all of that stuff. There is nothing wrong with that. And trust me, those things will make your abs look crazy. <clears throat> Another question that I get asked, should I use a waist trainer? I heard waist trainers work. I heard they make your abs come out. I heard, I heard that's, that's how I'm going to get a smaller waist. That's going ha- to <laughs> make you run to the bathroom and take a shit is what it's going to do. Uh, on a full stomach. Yeah, because you're squeezing your midsection. Waist trainers, I'm not going to lie, I have one. Um, Waist trainers are great, but for the right reasons. I use them on some exercises that I know that I don't contract, that I don't keep my core in check. So I, from, let's say, I like doing it on my walk to the gym as I'm wearing it right now because it keeps my midsection in check. Second I get into the gym, I take it off because I know I can focus on that. I know certain moves that I'm going to be doing, but I don't keep it on for the whole day because that's not what it's for. You know, but also my midsection is smaller and I've already lowered my body fat percentage, you know. So think about it. If you have something small around your waist and it's squeezing the crap out of it, it's like putting a rubber band around Play-Doh. Just imagine what it'll do, you know. Fat's just going to move around everywhere else. You need to understand that. Anyway, it looks like it's uh, it's going to end in two seconds. I'm going to continue. So continue where I left off because it's only five minutes of podcast, which is still a lot. Um... For abdominals, back to uh, back to what I was saying. I was talking about the percentages and has to be at least under 10%. Very true. Also, workouts. Like I said, calisthenics. Don't use weight. You'll have a better midsection if you don't. Another thing. <clears throat> if you want to have the illusion of once you've gotten down to the base and you look great and you want to get it 
to look even smaller, you have to make other things wider. Therefore, your thighs and your, uh, your shoulders. For some women, they want to go on thighs. So, lunges. Lunges will be your best friend. It's one of the movements that I learned from my coach that are so incredible and so effective. You know, I actually recently hurt my hip and I no longer can do squats or, or deadlifts, which, is, which sucks because it, I have a crazy pain in my hip and in my back. And I'm like, how am I going to have my legs back? You know, I can build everything else, but I want legs. I can still do calf raises, which I love, but um, as far as leg lifts, anything like that that's a strain in my lower back, it's just so painful. But come to find out, I can do lunges. And lunges are the best. They, they get that nice stretch on your quads, your hamstrings, even your calf muscles, and your glutes for the women that want a nice firm butt. Your glutes get a nice workout too. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I'd say do about 200 of them straight for one set. Just back and forth, back and forth until you get that 200. And it's, I'm telling you, it is the best. Besides um, those front squats. I never knew how to do front squats until my coach, uh, you know, trained me in it and uh, probably one of my favorite movements and I can still do them so I'm very happy about that. Um, it's also a very, very effective movement for your quads if you want that teardrop to come out. Um, luckily at my gym, we have a sissy, uh, you know, an assist, uh, sissy squat machine so it's freaking awesome. It's where I do my front squats. But um, back to what I was saying with the abs. Another thing with not only abs, or with, with abs and everything else, abs are one of the very few muscles you can work out every single day. Why? Because it's a shorter muscle and it doesn't take that much time to repair. So you can give it the 24 hours and, it'll, and you can come back tomorrow and work on them as hard as you did the day before. So yeah, I would honestly say do crunches hardcore one day, come back the next day, do sit-ups hardcore. Come back the next day, do your obliques hardcore, you know? Another thing is when people work out on their abs, they always stop when it hurts. When it starts to hurt, they're like, oh, I reached it, oh, that's it, I'm only doing 20, or I'm only doing 40, and it hurts. That's, a, that's it, it's so true with what everyone always says, the successful people, the ones that have the bodies you want, no pain, no gain. If you're not gonna be willing to take that pain, you're never gonna see the results you want, and it's very true. I might look like a moron or crazy at the gym because I'm making all these faces and I'm out of breath sometimes on some of my sets. I'm 
trying to hold myself up on, on machines. But the reason is I take my body to the extreme fatigue, to the point where I'm actually going to collapse because I can't catch my breath. Because I'm freaking dying from that set. And better, if you... Let me, let me start a new one real quick to finish this podcast. I will continue this podcast um, after the gym and explaining the rest of the movements uh, for your abdominals. Obviously, I was saying that you can work them out every day because they're a shorter muscle, which is very true. Um, and yeah, I'll finish up on that and a little bit more on to detail with meal planning and all that kind of stuff. Stice Life out. Hello, Stice Life here. Wanted to talk about something funny that happened to me yesterday. I was at the dollar store. Um, <clears throat> and as I'm there, I'm waiting online, and the lady behind me is talking really loud about how she's a bartender and she's going to quit her job because she's not making enough money. She's saying $200 a night is horrible and that she just can't do that crap anymore. And it's not enough money that she should be making 400 to 600 a night as a bartender. And I, I turned around and I looked at her and I smirked and kind of laughed inside because you know what? That's a rookie thought. I've bartended for about 15 years. Well, bartended and managed and, you know, did my own little consultant. But the experience is 15 years. And I don't care what anyone says. $200, $100 for a six-hour shift, max eight, is really good. It's actually very good for a bartender, of which you're just pouring drinks. And yes, you got to set up the bar and break it down and whatever. Yes, that could be uh, a bad night and really good busy places, but that's still good, you know, I think, I think a lot of rookie bartenders or a lot of people that have been, you know, exhausted with the bartending scene, forget, but that's actually good money, you're not making that anywhere else, doing a regular job, restaurant job, if you look at a service point, that's an average, you know, that's really, really good. Now, if you hit 400 to 600, I'm sorry. There is no way that that chick was going to be hitting 400 to 600, not in Jersey. And if she, was, if she was in New York, she would have to be at a really nice place or stuff like that. And I'm not saying that she couldn't, but with the way she carried herself and her attitude, I did not see it. I looked at someone that just got out of bartending school, was promised the world, and thought $200 was a bad night she's a moron for it and, I, and that's why i say you shouldn't look at it like that you should look at it as a that's great and when you do have that 400 dollars night that should be awesome and you know keep you hungry you know don't look at a 200 or 100 night as it being bad look at it as what can i do to increase what i make if that's what you're, if that's what the place does, then start coming up with ideas to make more money. 
that's something that I did later on as a bartender I had to learn. But that's why I'm giving the tip to you. If you see that your place is only a place that's making 100 average, 200, you know, on an average, a really good night's 250. What's missing there to increase the value of what you need to be making? Ask your regulars, ask your customers, look around, put yourself in that customer's position, go in there on your day off and look at it from a different perspective and start seeing what can increase the value of it for the bartender. Do you need a hickory, a hickory piece of wood so that you can start smoking cocktails? Do you need um, some more options on fruit? These are things that you can buy on your own and bring when you bartend and increase the value of your cocktails and make you stand out more so than any other person. Take on that slow night that no one wants, that Monday early afternoon that no one wants because you only make $100 on that shift and your manager doesn't really give a shit for you to bring your own fruit or your own tools or all that because there's so much time. Do that. And you'll see that you're going to actually walk out with $300 and start realizing that people now want that shift. But it's not because, not because of what, you, you know, like, uh, it's not because of the people that are coming in or it's how many people are coming in that you made that money is because of the value that you brought to the job that separates yourself from everyone else think about it and you'll make more money slice slice the question of the night is do you expect a buyback after the first or if you tip them five dollars what do you expect for the if if you came to the bar, let's say you had two two beers, and you tipped them ten bucks, do you expect to buy back? They should give you one, shouldn't they? Because you already bought one already. What does that mean? Means that you bought a beer. You bought a beer. Let's say you bought a beer for five dollars, and you gave them ten because they're a great bartender. They should give you a shot. They should give you a beer. If they don't, how do you feel about that? I don't expect it because this generation doesn't know what it is to give back. This generation doesn't know shit. I don't expect it either. In fact, I was out last night and um, I think I had two bears and a shot and it was three women and two um, men. It was five, party of five. And the gentleman left and we ordered another round of sh shots before we left and the bartender actually gave us all a free shot and I totally didn't expect it. I was really, really surprised. And that, what that does is have you come back. Why? Because that fucker gave you something that you should always remember him by. And when I woke up this morning because I was a little buzzed last night, I was smoking a cigar outside as well, I forgot to tip him. So when I go back, because I'm usually there at least every Thursday, I'm going to make sure I give him a $10 tip. You're going to make sure fucking Dan gets a $10 tip. You see that? That's customer service. That's the bar life. This is Stice Life. Thank you. How's it going, guys? Stice over here. Just wanted to educate a little bit on 
on how you go about ordering your drink at certain places. So just like when you go out to eat, you you decide on a on a cuisine, but sometimes you you might not get that that uh <laughs> that preference. And uh, sometimes you might be out on the road and you're shopping and stuff, and uh, you want you want to eat right away, and you just pick whatever's around you. Let's say you walk into a diner, you don't order steak at a diner because you know the guy back there doesn't really make steaks. And he doesn't have the right steak to really cook you the right temperature for your steak. He doesn't have a filet mignon or a porterhouse or a ribeye. He doesn't have any of those. He has shoulder steak, and he can only cook it one temperature, and that's well done. So for the same reason, you wouldn't order a cocktail at the diner bar. You would have something very easy like a beer, just like you would order a sandwich. Same as the dive bar, you're not going to go and ask the, the bartender at the dive bar, and he's probably 65, most likely, or a very young college girl. You would, you would tell him or her to give you a beer, uh, a shot, something very simple, uh, uh, a one-two, which would be a rum and coke, a vodka tonic, something that you already told them to do because they're usually, they'll give you a strong drink. They're heavier on the pour because they don't really know their count. They've been there not, not too long ago and, you know, the older bartender, he doesn't really give a shit anymore. He's just there to make a couple extra dollars. He's retired from his real job. But, um, but yeah. So that's that's really what I wanted to discuss is, you know, be smarter about what you choose when you're at a certain place. Now, if you're at a fine dining restaurant and you order that that cocktail, go for it. You know, you're going to pay for every single dollar and the guy's going to make it right in front of you and he's going to go all balls out <laughs> to really show you what it's about. Get that old fashioned that's going to be smoked right in front of you on that wood, you know going to smoke the glass up and then really really make you a nice old-fashioned you know get that nice um sidecar get that get that gin martini that you want because they're going to have the glassware and the stuffed olives hopefully if i come in they'll have the stuffed blue cheese olives <laughs> but that's what you want you know now if you go into your regular like i said a dive bar or if you go into a sports bar sports bars can get up to you know sporty drinks go ahead you want a margarita get it at the sports bar you want a long island if you're 21 to 25 get the long island they can make it don't get a crazy drink unless you know the bartender there and he is fresh a professional then go for that crazy cocktail but other than that i wouldn't suggest it and that's for the bar tip of tonight stice life deuces what's good people it's stice here uh so daily bar question ready when you go to the bar and you sit down and let's say you want a glass of wine and the bartender serves you the glass of wine and a champagne flute <laughs> What is your reaction? What do you feel about that? Do you accept the drink? Um, do you tell them to send it back and you want a wine glass? Or do you just get up and walk out? I want to know your answer. For me, 
Honestly, it just shows that you're unprepared and you're unready for everything else. So what I would honestly do, I would probably get up um, and sit at a table and order just food. I would not want anything from the bartender because I feel that they just don't care on presentation or care about their customer that they just think I would have anything. So I would hope that the server would do a better job of getting me my actual food that's supposed to look like what it looks like in the picture if they have one or what it's supposed to be. I just don't trust that bartender anymore. You've lost your trust with me. And that's my opinion. And then I would never go back to that restaurant or bar is what I would feel. But I honestly want to know because some people might accept it. Some people don't look at it that way. I want to know what your opinion is about that. So, tune in and give me some uh, feedback, people. Peace. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.